0: Yeah, so uh, anyone uh, who's not... In Cleveland There's no idea Who my guest is uh, You uh, Have a house Called The McFarland Manor mm-hmm. Because you're A complete narcissist Who <laughs> named Your house After yourself And See See I had the domain name Before we started ha- Hosting shows there um, <laughs> Oh it was Called McFarland Manor Before you moved in You're like well, Oh this no, no, no 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 out.
1: No 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 It was It was uh, It was built by The owner of the Prosse Lumber Company In 1895 Um um, he uh, he sold it in the 1940s and it was converted into a men's rooming house, um, which it remained until I purchased it uh,
0: about four years ago. So were um, you in the market for a house just like, oh, I, I just, you know, just as like it was the smart thing to do versus renting? Or were you looking to get a house specifically to do what you do, which is putting on your house shows? Uh,
1: so I... The, all right, let me, this this requires a little bit of history. Um, so I bought the house, well, had the offer accepted on the house while I was still living in North Carolina. Uh, so I grew up in Kent, went to school there. Um, I bought a house in uh, Summit County, which is where Akron is, um, right after, actually, I hadn't even graduated from Kent State yet, um, but I bought a house down there market tanked the house was underwater um i uh got engaged engagement broke off three months before the wedding i wanted to get the hell out of ohio just because everything reminded me of all of that and so uh i didn't exactly throw a dart at a map and uh, have it land on asheville north carolina but it wasn't too far from that uh so i rented out the the house that i i bought in it's actually in Stowe, um and still rent that out to the same people that i was then they're they're wonderful tenants great people um you're a landlord i am yes uh so moved to north carolina with the intention of uh downsizing life so that i could uh go on tour um moved down there with a with a buddy of mine, a uh, buddy of mine named Chris, that uh, he was just, you know, looking to live somewhere else and convince his parents to move further south because they were, you know, getting older and and um, were being stubborn about still wanting to live in their Bay Village house when, when much of the year they weren't really able to, to take good care of it as they needed to. Um, so, Uh, so moved down to North Carolina with my friend Chris we got a little two-bedroom apartment that was like 500 bucks a month and um, I started touring all over the place and uh, mostly I started doing the touring thing because my music was not well received in Asheville North Carolina Um, Mm. it uh, and I, I you know
0: was it similar to what you're doing now or was it? Yeah, yeah, it's, different it's Actually,
1: the same same material that's yeah. that's on my first record. Um Isn't that I kind was, of a hippie town. It is. It is. Um and it's my music was uh, was too poppy for uh, for Asheville. Um and I you know, I hadn't really thought of myself as writing quote unquote pop music, but uh, the the line that I heard over and over from from musicians there was like you know I'm not usually into pop music but your stuff's pretty good um, <laughs> so that that sort of like you're welcome right exactly a little bit backhanded like <laughs> you know this it's it's not the the true blue roots Americana that uh, that we play here in in Asheville, but it's it's all right. Um, I I just really wasn't finding a place for what I was doing in um, in the Asheville music scene, and so I was like, all right, I'm going on tour, and been I'd seen you know music scenes all over the place, and kind of gotten a sense of what was what there was everywhere, and. uh, after three years of living in Asheville, I was like, "All right, time to move somewhere else." And I started going down the list of like all the places that I'd played, my impressions of the cities. Um, I really had liked Milwaukee a lot. I, um, I'd met a lot of great people in the music scene there, um, and I just liked the the energy of energy of the city. Um, Austin was cool, and if it were affordable, would have been, you know, the a kind of place that seemed um, seemed like it might be might be a good uh, good option. Um, and so, I was in Austin, Texas, with my now ex-wife, um, and we had been looking at apartments and looking at houses and uh, all of this sort of stuff. Um, and everything was way too expensive. And I played a couple open mic nights and spoke to musicians, and they're like, "Oh, it's this is this is terrible place to be a musician. Um, like it's just saturated or bad attitudes." Um, so it had, and this is you know, uh, this is coming from a musician that had been performing there for fifteen years. Uh, the uh, the the skinny that I got from him was that. Uh, the people that had bought all of the apartments above the music venues were all wealthy retirees who liked the idea of living but in this. They cool hated that
0: what it actually was. Right. That reminds me so much of fucking New York. One of my favorite open mics was on uh, like First Avenue in St. Mark's Place, mm-hmm. and. Above it was all these fucking people who wanted to live in the, the mm-hmm. East Village, mm-hmm. but they goddamn like would scream out their windows like it's eleven thirty. That's that's why are exactly- I talking? This is New York City. Yeah, that's that's and then I'd scream back up to them like exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty much what uh, what this this guy uh, told me that they were running into was these people would come down to these music venues and you know enjoy the show until they wanted to say they lived in the cool
0: area, but they didn't like the cool area.
1: They'd go back upstairs at 10:30 and then call the cops because it was too loud downstairs and they wanted to go to sleep. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of those places stopped hosting live music, which meant that there were, um, you know, there were fewer gigs available, um, and it it was becoming such a tourist destination for, um, for people that are like, oh, I want to go see music, uh, that one of the main drags in downtown Austin, I think it might be 3rd Street or something like that, one of those, you know, sub 10 streets, um, they on weekends, they had started closing it off at both ends and making it this big pedestrian friendly like everyone can just walk around, um, but hadn't accounted for the fact that musicians have to lug gears a uh, gear to these venues um, and they'd have a half mile walk that they had to, you know, schlep all of their stuff because they couldn't get their cars to the venues and it's like I've seen it go from like a place that a musician could manage to make a living um, to a place where, I mean, I'm making a living, but I'm playing uh, I'm playing retirement homes. I'm accompanying a woman who sings old timey songs to uh, uh, to retirement home folks, and and you know I play out just for fun now because I, I can't afford to live here on playing my own music anymore. Right. And so uh, that that really got me thinking about. The cities that have the reputation as being, like, the music cities are that way because 20, 30 years ago, people are like, I'm going to plant my flag here, and I'm going to make this my home, and I'm going to do some cool shit here, Um and so... I I'm going thinking, to
0: make the place cool. Right. I'm not going to go to the
1: cool. Exactly. And so I started thinking about uh, all the places that I'd visited and started thinking about what are the places that felt like there's all of this just bubbling under the surface that's waiting to break through and is going to become if if enough people buy in and are like, I want to make this place where the cool stuff's happening um, and Cleveland was the first place that came to mind because when, whenever I'd come through here on tour, there was such a community among musicians. Like, a lot of places I'd gone to, gone to, there's this kind of cutthroat vibe where everyone's competing for the gig and, like, you know, everyone's out for themselves. When I've heard and,
0: I've heard from uh, uh, David Snyder, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to have him on the podcast. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, from Megan the Magnetosphere. From Megan um, the Magnetosphere, yeah. He's got a long history in the Cleveland scene. And he said it's actually that that attitude used to be here. And
1: that's what I've heard is there well. was a lot
0: more of like, it was all battle of the bands mm-hmm. and this and that. And that there's now that he, you know, we're, what we're living in now is a more communal atmosphere. Absolutely. Remember. And
1: I, and I saw the, you know, that was what I saw when coming through it. Like, you know, at the, <laughs> at Brent Kirby's 10 by three and, and some other places that I played, um, that there was, there was this community that was really in its, uh, emergent phase and uh, so, you know, I was like, if, if I can find a place in Cleveland that I'd want to live, that that seems like a good option. And I had family nearby, um, and I had some friends in the area um, that, uh, that, you know, would be getting back close to them. And so my ex-wife and I came back for uh, a long weekend, stayed with a friend that, uh, that lives in Little Italy, and, uh, you know, set up a couple appointments to look at a few houses. Um, and we looked at two places. One of them was McFarland Manor. We put a full-price offer in on it that same day and had it accepted the next day. I was like, all right, we're, we're moving to Cleveland um, because Gordon Square was one of those neighborhoods that looking at it, it was like, this is some place that this house is not going to cost what it does right now in a year, much less in five years, um, because just of all the restaurants and shops and like it just had that that vibe of this is going to be a destination neighborhood, and sure enough, it's it's become that. Uh, so you know, got the house for next to nothing.
0: How long ago and, was that?
1: Uh, that was uh, four and a half years ago. Um, that uh, that. Uh, McFarland Manor was purchased. When
0: did the uh, house show start up?
1: Uh, so we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. Uh, oh, really? At this point. Yep. Um, what
0: what instigated it? When did you first decide that you were going to start doing that?
1: Uh, it really was the end of the dingy basement garden that uh, that got things started. Um, the dingy so, basement garden. Yes. So I'm not aware of uh, so this. I don't uh, know
0: all my Cleveland DIY history. Ha ha. So. Uh, this
1: guy named Ryan Manthe, he doesn't live around here anymore, um, and Michelle Gaw, who's uh, both a singer-songwriter and lead singer of Mimi Arden, um, they started hosting shows in the basement of the duplex where Ryan lived, and it was this total DIY vibe with, uh, you know, records screwed into the the ceiling that I think they'd gotten, like, Test pressings from Got to Groove and all the different colors, um, and uh, the the very first one was a um, was a Clint Howard tribute show. Um. Clint Howard tribute show. So wait, so does he play music? No, 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 no. Just Ron Howard's brother that was in like.
0: <gasps> yeah, the... he's just he's the. Do you know Clint Howard? <laughs> right, if you've ever, he's a he's like a fairly bald man yeah, with yeah, yeah. very big teeth. Oh yeah, he, he plays he, like he, a character actor in random things. He always
1: <laughs> plays like really unpleasant characters in yeah. everything that he's in.
0: So there's a tribute show to his acting <laughs> career. It was th-
1: pretty much, yeah. There was. Footage from all all different Clint Howard movies. That Everyone were in the audience just
0: Google Clint Howard. Just you'll, so you you'll recognize
1: him as soon as you see his face. But it's Ron Howard's brother, um, and you know it was just this. Uh, it was the first dingy show. Um, so so Ryan and I had both uh, both been volunteers for the Bright Winter Festival, um, and we met at the the volunteer after party. They're like, "Thank you to everybody that you know hauled stuff around and and uh, helped." get everything where it needed to be day of and uh so i you know i met this ryan dude and he was like yeah i'm gonna be throwing concerts in my basement we got a bunch of singer songwriters and like a band finishing it off and it's gonna be a clint howard tribute night (laughs) and so i went and it was it was awesome it was one of those things where when because he had like zip tied together like stacked four high um these uh, these milk crates. So we had like stadium seating set up with like different <laughs> levels. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was moderately primitive in its initial uh, version. But each successive show, like he added, he and Michelle added more to it. And um, there was always like a potluck aspect to it that people would bring food. And it was this that's really incredible. great community oriented thing that kept growing and growing and and I remember thinking the very first one of those shows that I went to was like I'm in the coolest place in this city right now like this is this is where you know if you were making a movie about hipsters doing weird stuff and going to like underground shows. That wasn't this trying is, to
0: be derisive about hipsters, right?
1: Exactly. There are good
0: hipsters. Yeah, and so, so so the like, world knows there are hipsters that are doing great things. There and are. We love
1: them. Absolutely, absolutely. But but like you know, like a movie like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, where they they go to this, they're, they're searching for this like hidden underground concert that they had to go on a like treasure hunt to try to find it. It felt like one of those experiences where you're seeing a show that everyone else kind of wishes they knew existed because they didn't publicize the address online. You kind of had to know somebody that knew where it was happening. Um, And so uh, around a year ago, Ryan, um, you know, let everyone know like, hey, I'm gonna be traveling all around Asia for a bit. And then when I get back, I'm gonna be moving out west. Um, and so the, there was this big farewell show for the dingy. I just saw on Facebook memories that it was just about exactly a year ago that that farewell show happened. Um, and I, I'd played the dingy a couple times. And so, you know, after that, um, I remember I was at the, uh, the Winchester and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly who was playing. Joe Wonderly was playing, um and a couple other people I'm I'm blanking right now but my friend uh Cassie Bishop from uh from Shy Moon was there and I ended up hanging out with her and uh, and Jen from Shy Moon as well and I mentioned that I'd been thinking about you know maybe hosting house concerts at the Manor and. She was like, oh, I'd love to help you organize those. Like, I'd, I'd love to get in on that. And going back to your your narcissism comment, like, I I, uh, I was really worried about that because, you know, I've been calling it McFarland Manor kind of You're jokingly. You're speaking to someone
0: who has the B.Z. Douglas it's, Carnival it's on a banner. Uh, that is that but is very true. What, I mean, for me, though, it, the I, 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 I'll I'm not a narcissistic guy, I hope. Uh, but <laughs> you never know if you're a narcissist. That's, how do you that's know? Absolutely true. Um, but the I appreciate the irony of the show is like it's not about me. It's honestly right. it's like every fifth show I'll play in. Oh yeah, yeah, Other than like the opening, but like the point of the show is cross pollination of mm-hmm. artists and audiences. Right. Absolutely.
1: And and you know in, in a similar way to you know PT Barnum he wasn't the one that was performing it he was the one that was you know bringing together the greatest show on earth PT right. um, Barnum is actually like I'm I am directly descended from his sister if i recall oh. um yeah I'm also uh, uh,
0: Aaron Burr is my first cousin like nine times removed. Well, Just like don't that. shoot anyone and, and <laughs> don't and don't hire any slaves to be a part of the McFarland. All right, era, and you got you'll, it. You'll you'll be better than PT Barnum. You you got it. Yeah, you
1: know if you if you look back in my history, we've got you know. Some some uh, swindlers and con men. And, if and, you're uh, white, there's no way there aren't oh, yeah. awful people in your history. My branch of planet- I mean, if
0: you're a human. That's There's true. no way there aren't yeah, that awful is people in your But my- especially if you're a white. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a white dude. Yeah, my ancestors did some bad shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, my, I mean, even my McFarlane, uh, the McFarland uh, side of the family, got run out of Scotland for being horse thieves. So, uh, so you know,
0: at least that was just... Hopefully they were stealing from wealthy people though i, I i'd like to think so i'm, I'm down for the i'd like McFarlane. to think so i like to think that yeah. i wanna, i wanna still be friends friendly with the McFarlane clan yeah. i'm douglas so we got the scottish bond going absolutely
1: absolutely i noticed i i noticed, right I
0: noticed the uh, the
1: the belt form of the crest that you had there i was yeah. figuring that was probably the i saw,
0: i saw like what the douglas family crest was randomly, and i i i just loved it it's it's a it's a lizard sitting on a crown that's on fire which to that's, me that is the most symbolizes, metal that is the most well, metal it crest it's like have. yeah burn down lizard brain authoritarianism <laughs> fucking burn it to the fucking ground <laughs> that and then there's so this much about it's <laughs> this weird phrase that goes around the be- belt uh it says Jamai array or something i don't know how to pronounce it hmm. it stands for never behind
1: Never behind.
0: And I just yeah. loved, yeah, everything about it. And so I I got this tattoo just because the place, the crazy place I was living in like 10 years ago, a uh, brother of one of the roommates was crashing there and he was a tattoo artist. And he was just like, yeah, anyone who wants tattoos, I'm just doing them. <laughs> nice. And I was like, all right.
1: I've thought about getting the McFarland crest. I uh, haven't gotten around to it yet. But, well, uh, the,
0: that was the, the only reason I could get that tattoo is just like, I like my name. I'm not changing my name. Mm-hmm. And I dig the symbology. It's going to be relevant forever. That's a tattoo I can get. Yeah, that was the whole reason I never could get a tattoo is I just, just had so much trouble deciding. I'm like, what is a permanent fixture in my <laughs> life? What have I not turned on after like five years? <laughs> so one, one of. Except like, Deb, I think you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, I'm not going to get tattoos of my children I don't know if I'm going to like them in 10 years <laughs> they, they might end terrible people
1: What if Hitler's father Had gotten Adolf tattooed on Damn. his arm Damn it
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Scheiße! <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man You know the, the funny- mine son is
0: the bastard <laughs>
1: Please continue. This is this is fantastic.
0: I, uh, all right, here comes the Hitler's father show. Brr, okay.
1: <laughs> On this episode of BZ Listening, what have I done?
0: <laughs> it's just Hitler. Beesy. imitates father Hitler's parents.
1: father for fifteen minutes straight. I feel like your characterization is, is like
0: really unstable. <laughs> We want to workshop that a little bit. All right. I'll work on the Hitler's father character that I invented literally two minutes ago. Okay, Kate. <laughs>
1: So now that we've taken this interview entirely off the rails. So
0: McFarlane Manor was founded by Nazis. <laughs> oh, yes. wh- wait, what? You were asking happened? about
1: how McFarlane Manor came about. So yeah, it was it was in the wake of uh, of the Dingy Basement so Garden. You saw
0: you saw a vacancy. Yeah, there was the- there was a gap
1: that uh, that I saw in the Cleveland music scene that that I had been really grateful for the, you know, the community that I I'd experienced at the Dingy um, and thought if I can, you know, help be the catalyst for some of that. Then hell yeah, I want to use this ridiculous old Victorian house that I'd somehow ended up owning uh, to do that. And so Cassie and uh, and Mikey Silas, who I believe you had him on the yes. on the podcast as well. Um, they sort of you know both were like, yes, let's let's work on this together. And so we um, booked the first show. I think it was in June of uh, of last year and and we weren't sure how it was going to work out so we had the like all three of us played the first one and we had three other acts we were like if this isn't good at least only half of the acts will be will be pissed off because you know the rest are us um but it, it went great and we've been doing it um uh, the last weekend of each month ever since then we're getting ready for the um the you know one year anniversary that we're going to be doing a two day music festival called Manifest yes. uh, That we're going to be inviting people to camp out in the backyard and and uh, um, all kinds of fun things that uh, that will be coming together for well, that and
0: we're looking forward to occupying that with the carnival
1: absolutely that'll it's be a be... nice
0: well it was it was the McFarland Manor that actually i think inspired Deb and I to, like, well, yeah, let's get the carnival going again. That's awesome. Um, because we had... That was, like, right when we were, like, finally, like, let's get our... Let's just get up to our knees in the Cleveland music scene. You know, let's get out there and, and start fighting. And and Deb, Deb did more of that in the beginning, like, getting out there, going to mics. And then, like, she was the one to you know, found out about like, oh, this is a McFarland Manor thing and we should check it out. And uh, yeah, then the first time we went to it, I was just like, this is really cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, I I dig this vibe and and everyone there was really cool to talk to. And that was Yeah, that, I remember chatting was, with you. That was the was that the Fourth of July show yep.
1: that uh, yeah, we were chatting out in the in the backyard and and uh, your kids learned to play chess
0: that day. Yes. Your show will always have that place <laughs> in my heart. Like there is the chessboard sitting in the room and then and the my oldest Dominic asked, uh, what's that? And I'm like, Oh, it's this game called chess. And he's like, How do you play it? And I fully expected to like get through like it, the mechanics of maybe three or four pieces before he's like, Okay, I'm just gonna make them slam into each other. <laughs> and, um, but he totally dug it and they played chess for the next like the rest of the night and, and he's loved chess ever since. So so. That's what they
1: just did before bed, before reading. They're like, they were playing a game and I was like, okay, after this, you go to bed. They're like, we wanted to play one game of Mario chess. Cause we have the Mario. Nice. We have enough chess. Yes. Now he's like, I just want to play a game of Mario chess before we go to bed. I'm like, all right, am I going to stop that? Before <laughs> they really want to play chess before they read and
0: go to bed. I'm like, I'm doing a I think they're to start the starting game. to realize all these ways they can manipulate this. It's like, but dad, I <laughs> wanted to read Duff so <laughs> Um So your new album is about or it's uh, titled after McFarlane Manor, House of Ghosts,
1: right? So not exactly. McFarlane Manor is on the cover. It,
0: okay, Ma- I well, that's what made me assume that the House of Ghosts is MacFarlane Manor. So
1: the going to narcissism, the House of Ghosts is me. Um,
0: <laughs> you egotistical
1: fuck <laughs> uh, no, So so while I, I do have the actual house in which I live on the cover of the album uh, It's mostly because it looks like it should be haunted And I've actually been told by someone that grew up on the third floor that it is I haven't seen evidence of actual haunting myself um, Except for the basement ghost that somehow makes me terrible at pool. He just might have had a stalker um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. The uh, the story that, that uh, the guy told me was that um, so he said that he would wake up unable to move, be able to see his own breath, and sense a presence in the room, which to me kind of sounds like a cold Cleveland morning and your mom's telling you
0: to get out of bed. Or you've got sleep paralysis and smoked too much weed. That's, that's <laughs> possible as well. <laughs>
1: Cold in Cleveland
0: exactly I would wake up and it was so cold <laughs> it was ghosts <laughs> yeah it was where that, were you living ghosts in my house too apparently Cleveland yeah-huh
1: <laughs> yeah that was that was about how, how I I felt when he told me this I didn't say that to him but that was what was going through my head I'm like that that's that doesn't sound that unusual for, uh, for waking up in, uh, in a house built in the 1890s in the winter in Cleveland, <laughs> I wake up that way on a regular basis and, like, I can't move. Oh, I can see my own breath. Eh, maybe there's a dog over by the door. There's a presence in the room. Didn't your roommate
0: have a dog? No, it was a ghost dog. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so while, while McFarland Manor is on the cover, uh, I actually came up with the name uh, while I was uh, getting ready to to get out of North Carolina, uh, because as I, as I mentioned earlier, I moved to North Carolina sort of, kind of sort of running away from all of the memories that were in Northeast Ohio related to my ex fiance and the you
0: never thanked me for asking you to go into those deeper.
1: I know that was prescient of you. That um, was a nice, nice setup for uh, for where I we came. Just around like here. a
0: little acknowledgement <laughs> for the restraint I am.
1: Uh, the forethought that uh, that went into that deserves deserves thank some applause. Um, Two fucking claps. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so the idea behind calling the album that was that i realized even moving states away from from where everything had happened the the memories that were associated with that were still living inside me and um you, you know, know changing wherever
0: you go there you are true
1: exactly and Which so
0: i recently learned works in good ways too oh yeah oh yeah absolutely or at least from you know cuz i moved to i moved from I was living in Akron before I moved to mm-hmm. New York, and then I moved to New York, and uh, I had my first wife. And in New York is where we split up. Like, mm-hmm. and the, we had problems before we moved, and they continued <laughs> in New York. But New York changed me, and like I, that's where I found out. You know, I, I, I found a, I had a musician in me. It's mm-hmm. where I found open mics, and so when I moved to Cleveland, even though it was moving back to somewhere I had been, it was a new place because I had absolutely.
1: changed. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I had very much the same experience of, you know, I, I when I left Asheville, I was a very different person than I was when I'd gotten there. And in a lot of ways, that was because of... You know, ways that I'd come to terms with my past and kind of made friends with the, with the ghosts in the attic um, and, you know, embrace them again in the songwriting process that we were talking about of, you know, what songs would I write for someone that's feeling the way I am now? was my way of of uh, you know getting to know those ghosts and uh, coexisting in the house with them. So if you look on the album cover, every one of the windows has a little different vignette in there that relates to one of the songs on the album. So was a little...
0: I yeah. saw, saw that. It's a nice touch. Yep. Thank you.
1: Um, so yeah, that's, that's the idea. So while the physical house I live in is on the cover, um, the metaphorical house is me. <laughs> You're pretty skinny for a house. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, you ever read about balloon framing
0: where they just. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, like any struggling podcast, I can always use a little iTunes love with a five star rating or swing by the Facebook page, throw a like my way, maybe a couple of comments. And if you really, really like the show, you can kick a couple of bucks my way at patreon.com. Slash Doug, That's B-Z-D-U-G. Okay, that's it. End of podcast. Enjoy whatever it is you're about to do next. Thanks. Bye.